Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you for being here today, and welcome as we uh, kick off this Thanksgiving week. It's a special, this Sunday, next Sunday, are going to be a special in terms of uh, where we'll be going, but just to back up quickly, if you're just joining us, our theme this year has been Reset living with a renewed passion to be his church and our hope each Sunday as we've been unpacking the letter that that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus is that we would see with with just a renewed clarity our our identity as who we are as Christians but specifically as the body of Christ and then also our calling and to step into that so the goal is to see it with such clarity that it stokes our passion to step into who we are and what God has called us to do. And it's been neat to watch that happening in some, some ways that I'll share more next week. But uh, and, and just to review where last Sunday, I so appreciated Pastor Tyson bringing a message that was really outlining a template for life change, how God changes our lives in real time through Ephesians chapter 4. And if you missed that, I encourage you to go back, check that out. It's a template that we take every, every day with us. And it's, we put off anything that is not like Christ. We allow God to renew our mind through his word. And then we put on the character of Christ. And I, one of the things that just came out of that message for me is the hope of transformation. Isn't it good to know that we're not stuck in the rut of our depravity, but God truly desires to transform us to be like him, while we're still, still here on earth, to be like Christ, so that we might step into to our calling. Now, today we're going to back up, we're going to pan out a little bit from, from where we've been, and ask God to reset our love for him. It's big picture. What's the, the primary thing God calls us to? If, and I love it how sometimes the Lord just does this. All right, the main thing, main thing is, is what? It's to love him with our entire being all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And so we are going to relive a moment that he preserves for us in history today and one next week as well, that the prayer will be that God will just renew and reset our love for him so that as we come through this Thanksgiving season, we're just overflowing with gratitude, responding to his love, and then desiring to to love him with all of our heart. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, We are not through Ephesians yet. We still have chapter 5 and 6 to go. And uh, the good news is we're going to pick it up. So the first Sunday in the new year, 2022, we're going to go through Ephesians 6, 10 to to 18 and um, put on the armor. And it's going to be a, uh, we'll cover that. And then in August, we'll pick up chapter 5 into chapter 6 in our family series. And God has some specific instructions on how to live out our calling as his followers in the realm of family. And so we'll we'll unpack it. So no worries, we will get through it. But uh, today, we will be in a, a text in the Old Testament. Way back in the day now, I was dropping Chad off at high school. And, uh, and by the way, those of you who are in that season of life, those, the windshield time is awesome. Just hanging out with your kids, isn't it? And a gift. And so getting to drive him and Jess. And he was, uh, as he was rolling out the door, I said, hey, how can I pray for you today? And he said, well, I'm giving devotions to FCA. I said, oh, yeah, what's your text? What's your scripture? And he said, 2 Chronicles 20. 
like, all right, man, I'll pray. And he heads out the door. And I'm like, Second Chronicles 20? That's not ringing a bell. So I get back to the office, and I open up and see what he's going to be talking about. As I read through this text, uh, like, no way. It has become a treasure in my spiritual journey because what God gives us in this text is the pathway to embrace our troubles and they become a doorway to worship, to praise. And so we're going to relive this moment. If you would join me in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The primary purpose we have for being alive is worship, is to love God. The great danger is that our trouble would silence our worship, would dim our praise, that we'd be distracted or afraid or or, uh, discouraged in the midst of our troubles. And so it's here that we see a trouble come to the nation of Israel. God gives us four gifts to to follow, a pathway to follow that, that that allow us to turn our troubles into worship. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, quick historical context, the year is, we're rolling way back, 871 BC, but people are still people, pretty much the same, and everybody's vying for power, chasing power, and Jehoshaphat is the new king of Judah, just getting things set up, learning the ropes, so some other kings form an alliance thinking this is the time to to take him out and and, um, gain power over him. So we pick it up there in verse, chapter 20, verses 1 and 2 says, After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the the, uh, Meuites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army, you might circle that in your Bibles, a vast army, big army, is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. And so uh, right here, what do we see? Trouble is coming. And it's not just any little trouble. This is a vast army. Jehoshaphat didn't pick this fight, didn't want this fight, but he's got this fight. Trouble is coming. When when he says vast army, I think the emphasis here, and this will be repeated three times in this text, this little phrase, vast army, overwhelming, um, overpower. There's no hope. And not only is it an overwhelming trouble, but it is a near trouble. People say, it's coming. Like, you can hear the sound of their drums. They're in En Gedi. They're not far from Jerusalem. So what about us, and what about you and and your life and your faith journey, and where we're at right now in the the, the redemptive plan of God? Jesus told us, trouble is coming, didn't he? He said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's coming. But then he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. To which we say, how? How does this play out? How do we take heart, live with courage, live with faith, live with hope when we're facing an overwhelming trouble, when our vast army is perhaps a a medical diagnosis which seems to just turn our future dark, will affect our lives. There's no ignoring it, and it's coming. We didn't pick this fight, but we're in this fight. How do we face the future and and walk with faith and hope when our vast army has to do with a situation at work or someone's out to get you at work or maybe a problem at school, a relational problem or a, uh, a struggle, a challenge that you just don't see a way through. Maybe it's a financial situation or a job situation. What do we do in those moments when trouble is coming our way as we know it will? 
How do we not let those moments dampen our praise? Lead us into fear, cause us to, to go self-reliant, um, or even become angry and, and bitter towards God. Trouble is marching our way. What do we do? So this text, you guys, is so good. And here's, I'll give you the big idea, and then we'll unpack these four gifts. But here's the big idea. Trouble is, as for the follower of Christ, the child of God, trouble is the pathway to worship. Crazy. It's like God, in the kingdom of God, how we see trouble, it's a paradigm shift, but trouble is actually a pathway to intimacy, a pathway to worship along our spiritual journey. To which we say, how? How can this be? How does this work? Jehoshaphat shows us the way. First here we, we see in verses 3 to uh, 13, the first gift is a prayer to pray. Check this out. It says, alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and proclaimed a fast for all Judah. So his first move is to his, to his knees in prayer, and he calls the people together. It's interesting, corporate prayer. Um, a fast is what you, we do when we have a need, a trouble, and we want to communicate to God, more than I want food, I want your will in this situation. More than I need food to live, I need you to intervene in this situation. So the people of Judah came together to seek the Lord, or to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. I love that, every town. This is everybody. Picture our corporate gatherings and worship as we all come together to seek our Lord and to um, pray for his help. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he said, and here's his prayer, First he looks up, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. And then he looks back at the promise of God. He says, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the, the, the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And he's referring to that promise God made to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15 and following they have lived in it and have built a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes on us, whether by the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. And now he moves to the problem, the trouble. He says, but now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came up from Egypt so they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out, to take, possession, take the possession you gave us as the inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And here comes the prayer that I would encourage you to, to jot down and take it as your own. Pray this prayer in those moments when trouble comes your way. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that awesome? Have you been there? <laughs> Lord, we don't know what to do. It's overwhelming. But our eyes are on you. It's Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Eyes locked in on him and with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. We don't 
know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then this next picture hit me as I was seeing our staff up here. It says, all the men of Judah with their wives and their children and their little ones stood before the Lord. What God gives us here as we set out to uh, process through our troubles and, and turn them into a pathway of worship and praise is this simple prayer to pray. It's a declaration of dependence. Our first move when trouble comes is, is to uh, pray, Lord, um, seek him, whatever. Prayer is, um, I love the outline that we have in Jehoshaphat's prayer. He looks up, he looks back at the promise of God, then he looks around at the problem. But we all end at the same place. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Would you pack this prayer with you this week? Would you make it your prayer? Whatever the trouble you have, and I'm sure today we could all list, there's a, whether it be little big, a trouble we're facing. May we come at that with radical dependence, a declaration of dependence. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Why, why is this so important? Scripture tells us God is glorified in our trust. How do you say I love you to the Lord? One is obedience, but two is I trust you. <laughs> he delights in that. I love Psalm 147 says, you know, God doesn't delight in the strength of a warrior or the size of a horse, or which was a war weapon back then, or like your tank or your F-16. He delights in the, when, when his people put their hope in him. Like he, he finds joy in that. So what, think about that, mom, that moment as a nation, the families are standing before the Lord, they've all come. They know the enemy is miles away marching their way. This could be, life as they know it could be over. So what happens when he finishes this prayer? I just picture the sound of a nation waiting on God. Can you imagine the silence? I'm sure there were some kids, babies crying, reminding parents of why they were praying. But just this longing and silence. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And it's quiet. But then in the crowd, there's a voice that sounds. And somebody shouts. And God breaks the silence with a promise and with a path. A promise to treasure and a path to follow. I just picture that voice of God coming through a prophet. We have the same in his word for our troubles and trials. But in this one, it came through this guy. We'll go ahead and pick it up there in verse uh, 14. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, the descendant of Asaph. And he stood, stood in the assembly and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, I love that. Like, hey, king, listen up. The king has a word. And all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Here comes the promise. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. And here's the promise. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Don't you love that? <laughs> 
I love how God cares about our emotional state, our anxieties. He's like, hey, don't be anxious about anything. But then he gives us this promise. The battle is not yours. It's God's. Can you imagine how much this meant to the dad standing there with his bride and his kids? To the grandparents standing there with their family, longing for their kids and grandkids to have a beautiful future. To hear God say, don't be afraid. This battle isn't yours. It's mine. As followers of Christ, as dearly loved children of God, we do not live by sight. We live by faith, and we live by faith in the promises of our God. And I love this promise because it leads us to Calvary and our biggest enemy which was our sin against God that left us in a position of deserving his wrath, our guilt, the bondage that we are born into, bondage to the devil, to the forces of darkness, not able to do the right that we want to do. And God said, this is not your battle, this is mine. And the king of glory stepped off his throne and came to fight the fight that we could not win, that we had already lost. And with his life, fueled by love, he went to war on Calvary, the cross. As we think about those things we're thankful for, I, you know, we kneel as his people at the cross come this Thanksgiving season, and every good thing that we have flows out of that moment where he gave his all for us. He fought the fight that we couldn't win. He won that fight. He suffered in our place, died in our place, and gave us this promise, whoever believes in me will have eternal life, peace forever with God, freedom from the bondage of sin, um, a future that's beautiful and bright. The battle is not yours, it's mine. And so we worship. So we say thank you. But also, as we do life, we face troubles. As we follow Christ, we face troubles and the... Uh, we know we're living in enemy territory, but here's the neat thing about our troubles. We know our ultimate trouble of death has been solved, but how do we get through our everyday troubles? And this is where God says again and again in his word, guys, trust me in the trouble because I'm going to see you through it. And, and there will be pain and there will be hardship. It's that J curve we covered. There's the cross, but I'm going to see you through it. And actually, I'm going to transform this trouble or use this trouble to grow what is of greater worth than gold it's your faith and so in every trouble it's an opportunity James says consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds these have come so the testing of our faith develops that endurance that perseverance and we may be mature able to live out the calling that, that God has called us to I love how uh, even in second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 he calls our trouble, he names our troubles here light and momentary. These light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs what we're going through. And so here God gives us a, a promise to treasure and encourage you to just take this promise up today or a promise that God's given you and, and live on that as trouble comes. But then he gives us a path to follow, some next steps. There in verses 
16 and 17, God goes on and he says this, tomorrow, so this is real time, tomorrow morning, march down against them. Did he just say march down? Yep. And they will be climbing up at the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Those places mean nothing to us, but to them, these are real places. <laughs> it's like down by, uh, you know, the fire station there in Danville, you know, where Kroger's is. Go down there. Um, march down there. And, uh, and then take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you, with them, or with you. And so the third gift that God gives us here is a path to follow, which is um, march down, confront the enemy, confront the darkness, confront the trouble, but stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. Guys, true faith, saving faith, always leads to action. It leads to obedience to the commands of God. And for them, it's march down against them, take your position, stand firm, see the deliverance of the Lord. Is that true for us today, I would ask? I mean, this is a unique situation for them. Is this true for us? The answer is, oh, yeah. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty power. God doesn't call us to, to retreat or huddle up or fear the darkness or fear the trouble or fear whatever um, the enemy is doing around us. He calls us to advance. Can you imagine uh, hearing this, though, if you're one of them and, and somebody saying, did God, did he say March? Do we really have to do this? Like, I think it would be wisest for us to stay in Jerusalem. I think maybe stay in our tent or our house, and we'll see the deliverance of the Lord later on, but do we really have to, like, march down against this vast enemy close enough where we can see their weapons, um, hear their shouts, and we're this puny little army, and we have to go take our positions like we're actually going to fight these guys. This does not seem wise. Do we really have to do this, Lord? <laughs> it's their next step. It's what he calls them to. Why do you suppose that is? And I think the answer is in the text. Take your position, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. It is one thing to hear about the deliverance of the Lord, to be talking to a friend and say, man, this is what God did for me, and you hear what God did for them. It is a whole nother thing to see God show up and deliver you when you're face-to-face -face with the trouble, right? <laughs> what happens in those moments? Your faith grows. Your worship grows. Your praise. Now you got a reason. It's like, you're not praising God for somebody else's deliverance. You're praising God for your deliverance. And trouble becomes the pathway to live out our primary vocation on earth. And that is worship our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we go. Guys, I'm so grateful for our church family that has not hunkered down and retreated. But we have said, let's go. Let's advance. Let's not coast. But let's take the gospel and let's go into the darkness, into the pain, where there is hurt, Seeing Don and others when, um, Kimmy, something happened where somebody had a physical need, I'm sure, in our church family, and Don being a doctor leaves the stage. Tim leaves. Tam goes, it's what the body does, isn't it? We don't run from, we go to. 
spiritually. There are people all around us who need Christ. We've said we're not going to be content just to hold this gift for our own and celebrate this gift. We're going to go share this gift. And this Thanksgiving, 500 meals, I understand now, are going to be served through us. 200 volunteers saying, everybody's saying, let's go on a holiday and share the love of Christ. Our gym is jumping again. Basketball's bouncing. So neat to see coaches meeting with players to pour the love of Christ and the gospel into these young men and be a, 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 his presence to them. And may I just encourage us, let's keep on marching toward the front line, standing firm so that we might see his deliverance in the lives of, of those around us. And then the final gift that God gives us as trouble comes our way, how does it become a pathway to praise? And this is where it gets so good. This could be a, its own message altogether, but God gives us a fight song to sing, a song to sing. There are verse, uh, verses 18 and following. It says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. And then some Levites and some uh, Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And as they went out, at the head of the army, saying, and here's the song, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise the Lord set ambushes among the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. When does God set the ambush? When does the deliverance come? When, do, when is his power unleashed against the forces that are against his people? It's when they begin to praise him. The power of the enemy of our soul, as we go about the mission that he's called us to do, is broken when the people of God praise. And what the uh, in, a, in a moment we'll get to the song of praise, but I just want to remind us, when we come into this place, guys, every week, resurrection celebration, and we begin to praise our Lord. He is present with us. This is not just singing songs. This is not a performance that we're listening to. This is not a warm-up for the message. This is war. When we sing the praises of God, we are asking Him to invade where there is darkness in our own hearts and lives, in the hearts and lives of those we love around us, and in the dark places in our community. And we are praying that He would do what only He can do by His power for His glory as we go with His love. Amen? His power is unleashed when his people sing in faith and praise him for his love. And so today the challenge for us, and this week is I think about um, Thanksgiving week and think about us going out. Would you be willing to fill your battlefield with praise? 
when do we normally, when is our praise usually the loudest? After the battle is won, right? Normally, man, I am praising God when the deliverance comes. But before the deliverance, (laughs) but what if, what if, what if? We were living with such faith that our praise is just as loud before the battle as it is when we've seen the deliverance. And I keep seeing Paul and Silas in jail. You know, and they're in jail, and what are they doing at midnight? Chained up, they're praising God, and the earth quakes. This is our calling. This is our opportunity. This is our gift. And so God gives us the fight song here to sing. It's simple. It's two lines. When you're in a battle, you, you don't need a big, long song, do you? You just need two, two battles, just a chorus. Psalm 136, they sing. This is a song again and again and again. This fight song is all over Scripture. It was on the screen during our worship this morning. It's everywhere, but it's real simple. Just give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Would you be willing to make this the, the playlist in your mind this week? I know going through the past two years of COVID, I think the devil's had a heyday. The devil is in the division. He wants to divide families, churches, nations. He lives in the division. And how, where does that division come from? This crazy playlist that goes in our head. I'm for this. I'm for that. They're, they're not. Ah, er, er. We get this dividing playlist that has even hit our families. Think about our families coming back together this week for Thanksgiving. And God wants unity. How's it get, how in the world is there going to be unity in your family after what we've been through? The power of God flows through this simple fight song. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your love endures forever. Anytime you start getting mad at so-and-so about this or that, play this song. And God sets deliverance, sets ambushes for those places of division and so give thanks to the Lord. This is living in that sweet spot of gratitude, always giving thanks. Say, well, how can I always give thanks? His love endures forever. There will never be a moment in your life, in my life, that his love is not saturating every arena, every part of your life. His love endures forever. I know I'm, this is fresh to you this morning probably. Um, I've been living in this this week, and it, it's taken some work. Um, but I can testify out raking leaves yesterday, just playing this song. And anytime I'd get a negative thought, I just played this song again. And man, it's where we're called to live. It's, it's our inheritance as his, his children. Give thanks to the Lord. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your love endures forever. There's power in this to turn our troubles into praise. So bringing it all together, troubles, They're coming. I wish I could say they weren't, but they are. But the troubles in the kingdom of God are actually opportunities for us. They become pathways to praise. Here God has given us four gifts through Jehoshaphat. A prayer to pray. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. A promise to treasure. The battle is not yours. It's mine, the Lord says. A path to follow. Stand firm. Take up your position. And then a a song to sing, a fight song to sing. Give thanks to the Lord. For uh, his love endures forever. Isn't that a great story? Just a treasure. Think about a beautiful microcosm, really, of our lives. And, you know, the story starts with this vast trouble that Jehoshaphat and the nation is, is facing, and it ends with praise. And I hope and pray that this is the story of, of your life, the story of our hearts this week, as well as our homes and our nation
And if I could just uh, preview, and, and I know this is a busy week, and Wednesday night many of you may have plans or may be out of town and just praying God's blessing over you, um, whatever you're doing. But I just have a sense that as we gather on Wednesday night, it's more of a family feel, kind of like a picture of fire burning, and we just come in here. We're going to have opportunity to give testimonies. We're going to have to keep them to like 60 seconds. But I already have two things I just want to get up and say where God brought deliverance. And I am just looking forward to this week giving an offering and sacrifice of praise and worship just constantly to our Lord. He has been so good to us, hasn't he? As we gather as a faith family here Wednesday night again, as we gather, as you gather with your um, friends and family and just all that we're doing, even as we go out to deliver these meals, Jonah said the primary need here as she talks talks to people on the phone is not food, it's loneliness. And just to love that person and then just share something about God that, that he gives you, that he is so good. And may we fill this week up with worship. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And just this uh, this glimpse of, of your goodness and your greatness, Lord, in the, the life of Jehoshaphat and the nation back then, your people. Lord, I thank you for giving them deliverance, but also through that, giving us this path to follow so that we can embrace our troubles as opportunities to to watch you do what only you can do and to give you praise. Lord, our prayer, even as we sing this final song and then as we go out, is that we would be pleasing to you and this week would just be an offering of gratitude and worship from the bottom of our hearts. Lord, I thank you for each person here today and I know where troubles are overwhelming, that you would just speak your word to them. God, I pray that you would be especially close and do what only you can do. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the cross and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.